freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Everybody, welcome to episode number 322 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. I love our theme today. It is <laughs> Is there a problem, officer? <laughs> and our guest is Steve Pomper. Steve is an author, freelance writer, and retired Seattle police officer. During his career, he served as a field training officer on the community police team and as a mountain bike patrol coordinator. Steve also has is a contributor and spoken, spokesman for the National Police Association. He has written several books, and his latest title is The Obama Gang, How Bar Barack Obama through his post-presidency foundation, assembled, launched, and wages the new assault on American law enforcement. Before wow. we start, uh, um, Steve, I just want to say thank you for your service. Yes. For what sure. you're doing. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Absolutely. And welcome to the show. Oh, I'm excited to be here. This is great. Me too. And we are definitely going to dive into that book. That is, a, you know, a mouthful there and a lot to... <laughs> to unpack. Um, but my favorite line from your website, I was, you know, kind of looking around to see well, what, what are your works? What are your past works? That sort of thing. And I came across this line that said, what's the most government can do for me? The least that government can do for me. And I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that uh, just struck me because uh, yeah, I've been a libertarian for a long time and uh, pretty much started back in 1978 when I could uh, register to vote. And uh, back then, uh, big L libertarian, since then, small L uh, conservative libertarian, I would call myself and maybe yeah. even small R Republican. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think um, I, I wasn't ever libertarian that I realized when I was younger. But right. the older I get, I think the more at least small L libertarian right. my my thoughts and opinions go. So I, I love how you describe that. So um, as you mentioned, that is a very libertarian stance, but you've also been a law enforcement officer. And there are more than a few people who would say that those are competing mindsets. And I just wondered how how do those things mesh together for you? Well, I think they mesh really well because uh, I can't think of another profession where you deal on a practical level with the Constitution every single day. In fact, every single minute of every single day, we have to keep in mind First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Sixth Amendment. You know, I mean, it's just uh, amazing how much we police officers have to pay attention to that, you know, because uh, that's so important. And, you know, there's been this big uh, discussion lately about whether officers should be guardians or warriors. And, you know, I don't think they're mutually exclusive, just like I don't think being a police officer and a libertarian is mutually exclusive. Most of the people I've known on the department, like you, uh, may, not, may not have called it libertarian, but they definitely have that bent along with their conservative, you know, beliefs. And uh, I think that I've always, I kind of had this corny line that I put in, I think it was in my first book, where I said, you know, the cops have a little tiny rolled up constitution behind their badges, because it is something that we concentrate on and focus on all the time. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I just like with any profession out there, uh, there's going to be people that really know their stuff and, and take those kinds of things seriously. And then there's going to be people that maybe they've never even read the Constitution. You know, right. we have elected officials yeah, who take an you, oath. I figured you were mentioning, you were saying elected officials because most of them have not. I, I mean, they act like they have it. They've taken an oath to protect, preserve, and uphold our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. Right. 
Right. And and this this real thick 49 whole page document <laughs> that I'm holding, my pocket yeah. constitution, they behave as though they, they don't even know it exists. So, yeah, you know, I, I've mentioned that before, too, because uh, um, as far as taking an oath to the Constitution is something that police officers do, military does, you know, and we, we tend to take it seriously. And I think one of the reasons we get such uh, poor treatment from a lot of the elected officials, especially on the, on the left, is that uh, there's some projection going on where because they don't take their oath seriously, they don't think we take our oath seriously. They have no you know, idea what it is. Um, like today, you, you see officers swear oaths. And, and I had a chapter in, in my book, Deep Policing America, of why do we take oaths? We don't get any benefit of the doubt. We don't get anything on the positive side of the ledger anymore. We just get all the liabilities and none of the benefits, unless it's on video and probably, you know, uh, I don't know, done by Steven Spielberg and, you know, has all the, all the, uh, you know, subtitles on there, you know, to make sure people understand. Um, we, they don't believe police. They'd rather believe some career criminal. So my, I think that that's, uh, that's an important aspect of this, this discussion too. Right, absolutely. And, you know, we've always, uh, neither of us have served in the military or have any police background, but we've always had, um, you know, a, a reverence for people who do put themselves in a position of, you know, doing work on our behalf. So right. we don't have to. And so to watch over the last, I don't know, at least year and a half, mm -hmm. if not longer, yeah. uh, this, um, you know, kind of carte blanche vilification of of the people that that do that kind of work it's just been a head scratcher and mind-boggling to me how easily it seems people start doing the head bob like oh yeah i agree the police are so bad what i you hate know? what i have to interrupt I'm, I'm going to i'm going to get my anger card out okay i get really <laughs> get ready I, I get, to do a rant over here Steve, i get really mad because you know, they, they profile, they profile the police because of one or two bad police officers. They say that all police are bad because one or two are bad. Right. And then yet we, you guys are accused constantly of profiling others. Mm. It's, it's not fair. It's, it's just not fair. Uh, e either all police are, you know, I don't know. It just, it just makes me angry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got so mad. I don't even know what I want to say. But I see it. I mean, I have friends that are police officers yeah. and they're hurt inside. Yeah. They're deeply oh, yeah. hurt yeah. because they're not respected for what they do and the, and the positions they put themselves into and they're profiled. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, is that they're not even not that there aren't bad police. There are. But you look at a lot of the circumstances that where they're calling officers bad police and you look and they've done their job the way they're supposed to do it. They did their job the way they were trained in the academy to do it. And it's only after the fact that people determine, you know, that what they did was, in quotes, wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and then, the, I mean, they did that when they came to Seattle and they pressed a um, bogus consent decree on us. You know, they used uh, a bunch of hope, uh, not a bunch, like five hope, high profile incidents where in none of them did an officer be, uh, was an officer criminally accused or, or tried or anything. And in four of them, the officers were exonerated and yet they still the doj still used and this is back in obama's day still used um that that excuse to um, build up their again bogus uh statistics and um and 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 place this this onerous consent decree on the officers that's still affecting them today because it's still in effect uh mm -hmm. 10 years later mm -hmm. right yeah it's it's nutty to me and it, it does feel like there is like a, a PR campaign out there to mm -hmm. try to, you know, arrive at uh, some consensus. Uh, yeah. And then I see the title of your new book, um, How Barack Obama, this is the subtitle. Well, I'll read the whole thing. The Obama Gang, How Barack Obama Through His Post-Presidency Foundation, which there's a website, everybody who's sitting there, you know, feeling like, oh, this isn't right. And you're blaming Obama for everything. Just yeah, exactly. So, right. It's called the uh, Obama.org. You can look it up and Ew. do your own. <laughs> stop it. Do your own research um, uh, through his foundation assembled, launched and continues to wage the new assault on American law enforcement. That does kind of sound like a PR campaign. 
uh, oh, it, it is, but there's a lot of action involved in there too, as opposed to just the PR. I mean, he's the man at the top, and we see now a lot of talk about him actually running a, you know, whether they want to call it a shadow government, whatever. You know, he, he's he's kind of calling the shots at the White House right now. A lot of people believe that, and I think there's a lot of evidence for that, especially with him coming out and you know inflaming racial hatred between Americans. I mean, a former president, first black president, elected twice. I think a few white people have. Him, right you know i mean it's just crazy and then what he does he forms this obama foundation and then with it he's got this uh what we refer to kind of like the omerta you know the the oath of silence or secrecy you know of, of, of allegiance to him that he has the mayors across america city council people sign and what they agree to do basically there's four things but what they they agree to do is they they investigate the police use of force and then they report back to him after talking to the community or back to the organization after talking to the community. And you can only imagine who they're talking to. And then they uh, come back and issue a, um, you know, reform the police edict. You know, not, you know, it's not about, um, you know, uh, getting better, you know, or improving, it's reform. And the one thing missing in that, in that whole, um, you know, thing that they're doing is they don't talk to the police. They just come up with it. They, they come in with a predisposed you know, solution, what they're going to do, what they call a solution. And then they come in and they just start like in Washington here. They just pass these laws, of, uh, like a dozen laws that are just wreaking havoc with officers trying to do their jobs on the streets. And that's the results. And that's exactly what Obama and his gang are doing. They're well funded. They're well organized. These people didn't just get up off the, their couches, you know, after Ferguson, uh, not Ferguson, but, uh, you know, in the Minneapolis and go running out and burn places. You know, this is something that's been planned and staged, and these people are fulfilling a function in the streets by burning and looting. Why do you think they're doing that? Well, you know, they keep saying, and it sounds like, you know, they'll, they'll roll their eyes, you know, when you say that it's because they want to collapse government, but I mean, that's exactly what they want to do. How can you not say that's what they want to do when they're letting, I mean, there was just a recent story this morning about a person who was let out of prison or let out of jail, you know, released, whatever, and, and he killed somebody, you know, and, and this is somebody who's, you know, a chronic repeat criminal. These people, the prosecutors that George Soros is putting in there, are heads up looking at this. They know what they're doing and they're doing it anyway. And when you're told that basically you, you, you all agree that we're going to have chaos, then you don't even have to have talking points shuffled around. They just know whatever you do that's not law and order or the rule of law is chaos. And so just do that. And that's what they're doing. I mean, a lot of the students, you know, it doesn't make sense at all what these uh, supposed prosecutors are doing across America by letting these criminals out you know, and, and then you saw what happened at the on January 6th at the at the uh, Capitol building. Those folks are still in, in jail or in prison. I mean, the, the guy with the horns was sent out to Colorado, you know, for some forensic invest, investigation of his thoughts. I mean, what you know, it's it's just not and that guy, you know, yeah. OK, eccentric, <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, I still haven't seen a video of him committing any violence or damage. So mm -hmm. it's really strange. Yeah, absolutely. And unbalanced. And like you yeah. said, when, when there's like actual destruction of property and and life and livelihoods and so on and right. so forth, I don't think those people are still sitting in any jail anywhere because the, somebody comes along and bails them out so that they can turn around and do it again. And why, why wouldn't there be that same situation, uh, you know, the people who, you know, involved in the capital thing? Where's their bail? If one is okay, then the other should be okay. And oh we're not judging either one. We're just saying, why is there not, you know, equal treatment under the law? It, well, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I want to get me. back to the police thing here that really yeah. scares me is that there are police all over the country that are quitting their jobs. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that is like super scary because we're going to get to a point What's what I think they're going to do is they're going to create their own law enforcement mm -hmm. that's government, you know, it's sort of like maybe a strong one like FBI or something. Oh, I think it happened in 1934 or so in Germany. Yeah. Brown, they call them brown coats or something like that. Mm -hmm. Brown shirts, yeah. Right, right. So uh, that's the thing that's scary to me. We're going to be at a point there's no return. There's already cities, I think Seattle's one of them, that they don't have enough police officers. No, you know, uh, the thing is, that's one of the reasons I left. I, I would still be on the department right now if it wasn't the way it was. But I actually truly got to the point that I understood my uh, my duty to my community. But there comes a point where the community has to 
back you up too. Right. And I got to the point where I knew that if I got into any situation, not did anything wrong, but got into a situation that was perceived as wrong, yeah. then I wasn't going to be backed by anybody uh, in, in the hierarchy or the city. I would just be, you know, I might, end, might even end up in prison, which you're seeing some officers that's happening to them now. Yeah. And, you know, so when I, when I see something like that, you know, as far as, uh, um, you know, wanting to do your job, but you go to the work and you say, I can't do my job. It's not that, you know, um, I don't want to. Nobody sits there and says, you know, officers get together for coffee and say, hey, let's go and deep police today. How are you going to deep police? It doesn't happen that way. Right. It's right. A, they look at a situation, even somebody crossing the street and they look and they say, this guy's got to look like he's going to he's going to start something. So why should I even, you know, stop him for jaywalking? when this could turn into, you know, a use of force incident, but they're going to say the cops beat up a jaywalker. That's how they put it. So, and the criminals know this too, and they know how to push the right buttons. They know what to do in Phoenix. They are trying to set up a committee that would be non law enforcement that would come in and rule whether or not a police officer has done his job right or not. And they have no legal training, no uh, legal, anything. They're just, citizens that that, never walked a mile in those shoes never right right. and to me i couldn't work for a police department that did that you you can't you know this a batch of laws they just passed in washington have some good examples one of the examples is a a duty to intervene in uses of force and this isn't like where some rookie they tell you if you think something's wrong go ahead and report it after this incident it's at the time so i said you know how does this work in real life on the streets so you've got a guy that uh, um, fresh out of some woke academy comes out on the street and he's going to what stop a veteran officer who he believes is mis- misapplying you know, force or using too much force. And uh, what is that? What pull, get him at gunpoint? I mean, at, wh- where does that end uh, on the streets? When if he thinks that's happening, he feels he has a duty or she feels he has a duty to do it. So in their minds, I've got to do this. And the veterans like, got all this experience and knows exactly what he's he or she's doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, what does that look like on the streets? And that's what's happening now is we're seeing it in, in cities in uh, Washington right now happening. And a criminal has the advantage because they know what they're going to do before, you know, mm-hmm. exactly. <clears throat> and that's the scary part. We're responsive. We're, we, we have to be, we have to, you know, to what the, they know a fraction of a second before we do what they're about to do. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I remember, uh, I think it was when uh, maybe at the inauguration of President Trump or around that time that I, I was reading articles and hearing stories about uh, people saying that, that we need to be ungovernable. And that kind of seems like what's playing itself out, you know, right. that whole Chaz Center, um, yeah. you know, all those kinds of things is to to be ungovernable is is to create such a mess and so much chaos that it you can't sort it out and right. if right. you're trying to stop one specific incident and and the you know oh they start crying victim instead of realizing that their choices the person that created this the problem or broke the law in the first place is what even began the series of events right uh it I just don't know how we play this movie forward and we don't see bad things. I mean, is there, is there hope on the horizon here? You know, I, I think there is, you know, it seems corny again, you know, but when I think back to, you know, Washington on the shores of Delaware, it looked pretty bleak. Yes. <laughs> and so you, you, you know, you let, you know, I heard a statement recently when going through hell, keep going, you know, because yeah. that's the only way you're going to get to the other side. Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, you talk about uh, just this, um, um, you know, constant onslaught of people telling you you're wrong when you know you're right. But it's the, the gaslighting makes you makes you as a good person, as a you know, person with an intellect, wonder, you know, what, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me step back and say, am I wrong? The other side never seems to think that. I don't know if you heard about the uh, two women on the school board in Boston recently, just uh, these racial comments they got caught making because of paper, newspaper, you know, got a FOIA request for some of their, uh, some of their emails and it was blatant racism against white people in uh, West Roxbury. I mean, really bad stuff. They were forced to resign because of the backlash. Luckily we still have backlash. And, uh, but they really felt that they were the ones being oppressed 
by the other side because the other side wouldn't shut up and listen to do what they were told. You know, it's basically, and what does the mayor do there? And the mayor there in Boston has a, has a really um, interesting story, really impressive story, but she was more worried about replacing the Latina because the two, two gals were, were uh, Latina, um, replacing the Latina, you know, influence on the board than worried about the fact they just got rid of two racists. I mean, where are we in this country? It's, it's really nuts. But I do, I do see that there's hope as long as we keep going forward. You know, these, these folks on the uh, school, pressing back at the school boards and the town meetings, that's, that's real important stuff. In fact, that's what this book is about, pushback. It almost doesn't matter what's in the book, although it does, you'll re really like it. <laughs> but uh, push, it's part of the pushback. You can't just sit there and take it. You have to push back. That's awesome. Um, so one of the the hot button phrases that I see definitely debated back and forth, especially among the big L libertarian communities is right. qualified immunity. Mm -hmm. um, because you have straddled both of those worlds in your life, you know, right. that, that libertarian mindset right. and, you know, been a, a badge wearing uh, law enforcement officer. Right. Can you kind of bring us to some place of unity with that idea of qualified immunity? Yeah, I think first off, I think a lot of people think that qualified immunity means for criminal actions, and it doesn't. It applies to civil actions. And one of the reasons, you know, like, for instance, we believe in limited government, not in no government. So you have to find out where the limits are. And that's one of the limits I see, because if an officer has to worry that not having done something truly bad, but having something interpreted as having done something bad. And then they're at risk of losing their livelihood, their house, based on, you know, a criminal in, uh, conviction is, is, is a, uh, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. But with the civil, it's, it's preponderance of the evidence. We're talking 51% mm -hmm. in a court case with, with people that aren't all that cop friendly these days. Mm -hmm. And just to give you an example of how many frivolous lawsuits might come down, there was a case uh, in one of the you know, Antifa riots in Seattle, where this one officer got 19,000 complaints. It was an organized thing to send 19,000 complaints. And long story short, they accused him of pepper spraying a little boy. What parent would bring their little kid to a riot? I don't know. But anyway, and when it was investigated, you could see on video, not only did he not do it, he wasn't the one there. So it was that wow. bad. But if they're doing 19,000 frivolous complaints just for, you know, Office of Professional Accountability or Police Accountability, what are they going to do with these civil lawsuits? The ACLU will come in and say, let's just do this every time an officer does anything and let's risk taking their house and their jobs and their pensions and everything mm -hmm. away. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's where the argument, the strongest argument is. Wow. Yeah. And I had never heard it, just, you know, described that way that you just did. So it doesn't absolve any police officer of, of criminal wrongdoing. Right. It's just the civil lawsuits, which, you know, anyone can sue you for anything at any time. Right. Um, so that, I don't know, that seems to uncomplicate it quite a bit uh, yeah. for, for me at least. So hopefully for a lot of our listeners as well. It's just, I'm just so irritated. I, I don't even know where to start, but the, the <laughs> fact, and I don't usually get that way, but you know, the yeah. fact that a criminal is protected by our constitution, mm -hmm. a criminal is, mm -hmm. that makes the decision to break the law and a law enforcement officer that they're to uphold the law is not protected by the constitution mm -hmm. in the same way. Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly that way. I know in my career, I found that. I wrote a lot for the, for our uh, union newspaper, the, the Seattle Police Officers Guild, uh, The Guardian. And in that, um, I wrote a four article series back in 2010 about the um, basically social justice indoctrination they were putting officers through. It was forced. We were forced to go and we had to listen to this leftist dribble, you know, for, for hours on end, days on whatever, whatever the time period was. And um, so I wrote about it. And all I did is write in the union newspaper, First Amendment protected, that uh, I thought it was wrong. And I stated the reasons why, and it was respectful and forth. Anyway, my department ended up uh, ordering me not to give any media interviews, even private on off duty as myself, as writing for the Guild. And they investigated me for seven months, basically, just because they know that while an officer is under investigation, they're not allowed to speak. It's part of the you know, if you want to say court order kind of thing, but I mean, it's, it's got that kind of, of weight. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably the only thing in my career I ever did that I, I regret. I should have, I think I should have disobeyed that order and, and spoken anyway. I really do. But at the time, 
you know, you're taking advice from, you know, the guild president, other people mm-hmm. like that, you know, and, and their, their emphasis is on protecting the guild, yeah. you know, so they're going to give the advice that's best for that. So, you know, but that's what other officers around the whole entire country are going through right now. Yeah. You know, just uh, that, that, that uh, officer in, in uh, um, what was it, New Jersey for doing a Facebook post, you know, mm-hmm. she basically, she got fired. Her sergeant got demoted for liking it. I mean, this is, this, it's crazy. It's nuts. So um, I think you're talking about one maybe I don't know about, but uh, I did want to ask you on that idea of cops and free speech, because you wrote an article in November of 2020, I believe it was, um, cops and free speech, like walking through a minefield barefoot (laughs) on crushed glass. And it brought to mind uh, Nate Sylvester, an Idaho police officer, a gentleman who made a comical video pretending to ask LeBron James if it was okay to stop a knife fight. I thought it was quite uh, humorous and well-placed. Um, well, that officer was fired for making a TikTok video. Then every oh. officer that was on that force should have walked off the job. Well, I mean, that's what they should have done. I, I that's the only know. way that they're going to solve yeah. that problem. His chief LeBron James anyway. shoes. I want to uh, ask Steve. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I agree with you. That the town marshal, she said she was going to walk off the job if he got fired. Whether that happened or not, I don't know. Um, you're not going to see that in the mainstream media, you know, so, uh, but I haven't, I haven't seen what the resolution is to that, but I thought that video was great because what he did was what was going through every single cop in America's mind at that time. And he, he did it well and he did it good naturedly, you know, I mean, and he had no reason to be good natured towards LeBron after him, you know, basically doxing a police officer who didn't deserve it at all. You know, so the guy was making his point that really needed to be made that every officer in America made. They, they had folks down in uh, L.A. who were trying to get him to respond to them, you know, black activists on the conservative side. And he doesn't even have time to pay them any mind at all. You know, he's he's the best. He's out, you know, and it's just it, it's absolutely ridiculous. But uh, I guess if you can play basketball really well, you know how to handle police. You know, don't go to the poli- you don't have to go to the police academy. Clearly, and, he's and an expert in policing right. procedures. And yeah, it's yeah. understood. He's LeBron exactly. James. He's well, King yeah. James, according to his. Well, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, you you can't right. you to can't be proper. Hurt his feelings either. <laughs> it, he hurt his feelings. That's part of what oh, happened. Oh, poor thing. Like when he walked <laughs> off the court when they weren't winning the game recently. Yeah, I'm a Celtics fan, so we've we've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another thing I wanted to talk to you about is an article that you uh, wrote in LiveZet. It's titled, Is the FBI Misreporting Data About Legal Gun Owners? Yes. Stop. <laughs> Is the Correct. FBI lying? Yes. Hard stop. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Um, uh, about legal gun owners stopping active shooters. Now, of course, we are Gun Freedom Radio. Of course, right. we talk on here all the time about how we constantly hear statistics about when uh, people use guns to end life, you know, right. nefariously, sure. we don't hear enough about the at least two and a half million times every year that guns are used by responsibly armed citizens to save lives. Right. And I think that maybe this article talks more about that side of the equation. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I think I got that information, if I remember right, from uh, John Lott. Uh, Dr. John Lott with, you know, more guns, less crime. And fortunately, I was really fortunate to get a blurb for him for my uh, book on depolicing. So what are, he's a really great guy and uh, does some absolutely phenomenal work. And he, you can sense the frustration in his words as he's trying to um, explain the FBI putting out misleading facts. I mean, you know, they're supposed to be, of course, uh, you know, a neutral institution, but we've seen over the last several years, uh, especially since Obama got a hold of them, that that's not the case. Um, you know, and, and, and the, the main place they do it, it seems to be with the numbers is in how they attribute, um, you know, uh, ordinary citizens with concealed carry as uh, preventing a lot of this or preventing or stopping a lot of these uh, mass shootings from happening, or even just crimes on the streets happens all the time. Um, just pulling a gun out is enough to chase most folks away. Mm-hmm. And the police, the, Police know, you know, you see a lot of like maybe police chiefs associations saying, you know, going on the uh, anti-gun rights side. But for police officers, we know more than better than anyone. If you um, go to a call, 
it's going to even the best you can get there, even if it was a minute, you're a minute away, you know, and I wrote this in my book, uh, Deep Policing, just take a hammer, take a piece of wood, and just set the clock and start hitting that hammer on that thing for 60 seconds, and see how many times and what damage you can do in 60 seconds. And yet these folks, uh, they always, they, they, you know, divert to, oh, the police are the ones that have guns. The police, have, and of course now, you know, they want to defund the police. They want to take away our guns. What does that leave? The, the leftist government, you know, to come in and do whatever, impose whatever they think um, self-defense is. Because of course, if you take away a gun, you're taking away self-defense. And I'd like to put it that way too, because a lot of people, they just don't like guns. They're, they're afraid of guns. Just like before they started driving, they were afraid of cars. Once they started driving, got used to it, it was great. People who didn't like guns that I've taken shooting, after they've stopped, I didn't realize this was so much fun. You know, they, they end up loving it. They, and they conquered a certain amount of fear, too, which is, you know, people like that. That makes them feel um, satisfied, accomplished. Yeah. You know, so if you could put it down to, this is not necessarily just about the item, because who knows what we're going to have in 200 years from now as far as yeah. self-defense arms. Yeah. But, but the self-defense aspect, that's not going to ever go away. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you so much about that. And, you know, the idea that, and here in Arizona, we have constitutional carry. So you can open carry. Right. You can We're adults. Carry, yeah, we are adults. exactly. Yeah. You know, I used to use the phrase, our, our government treats us like adults. And I've since uh, abandoned that because, you know, the, we are the, the boss of our government. And right. so, you know, we just behave like adults and, you know, we tell our government what we're going to do. And I don't need to ask permission from anybody about how I protect my life, my one and only God-given right. life and the lives of my, my family. And so often people, you know, turn that on its head and, and they do feel like, you know, paradoxically, mm -hmm. the only people who should own guns or have guns are the police. And then, oh, by the way, the police are somehow, you know, evil, you know, an evil force out there. And right. it's like, how does that work? You know, it, it, how does that live in the same brain space? You know, it, it's really crazy because, uh, you know, as cops, we're the government. We understand that. Reading history when, you know, when they're writing the Second Amendment, they just finished throwing off a tyrannical government. So what, they're going to write an article in the Bill of Rights where only the government gets to have guns? That doesn't even make sense at all. It's it's so dumb. You know, it's the only amendment I can think of where it says the people and the anti-gun rights people don't acknowledge it says the people, just like in the First Amendment, you know, and, and it's just a, a real strange thing. But you see how they just try to, you know, bend and warp things into their, you know, column, you know, their their perspective. Well, they do. And, you know, it is also uh, it, it's brilliant in its brevity. Twenty seven <laughs> words. Our, yeah. our founders wrote our, our legal protections over our God-given rights in 27 words, and it's the only place where they used the clause shall not be infringed. Right. And for me, that's like gun rights for dummies, right? right? So anything you could think of, well, what if, you know, we have laser guns? And if you, well, <laughs> let, wait, let's go back. Shall not be infringed. Yeah. No butts yeah. in there either. Right. You know, I, I didn't see any asterisk in there. I don't know if you can see it right now or a footnote down at the bottom. I don't see anything like that. No. You know, so, and like they're doing right now, I think they're convincing a lot of people through this whole, you know, um, the coronavirus thing that they can infringe on the right. Look, at they're just doing it. And yeah. what do we have? We have courts that are not even acknowledging this. They're, they're accepting the premise that it's okay to have a year-long state of emergency or year-and-a-half state of emergency uh, my constitutional rights weren't, you know, limited. They, they didn't, nobody took them away. I still have them. Wait, they're just, wait, wait, wait. they're wait, bridging wait. them. Yeah. Unless germs. It's right there. Unless yeah. germs. It's on the yeah. first page. We just, oh yeah, see that, that <laughs> one I missed. Yeah. <laughs> just because we want to. That must yeah. be the new because edition, we, the new version. Yeah. yeah. Because we want. If we can get away with it. If they exactly. Get away with you it. know, the, yeah. the thing is, if, if everybody that ran for office had to follow the constitution then instead of making laws right now they would be fighting to remove the laws yeah. right oh absolutely there are so many laws that are not constitutional as it is right now right right if it so, wasn't it Rand paul who wanted to pass legislation where before you created a new law you had to go through and get rid of two others uh, well, that's that's a great you know yeah, way, at least way to was, look at it 
a thumbs yeah. up to to whoever because I think it is. I think, I think it was Rand Paul. Yeah, but there's just too many. I mean, I, that's what they should go for. Let's mm -hmm. let's get rid of the laws that we have. Enforce the ones that are important because mm -hmm. we're not doing that either. Yeah. No, no. You know, in fact, uh, I read uh, in I don't know if you know Ian Primus from Hillsdale uh, College magazine, mm -hmm. and John uh, uh, Mark Stein just had a had a um, article in there it was fantastic, yeah. and he did say in there Un unless you're ready to give up everything, don't give up anything. And he's mm -hmm. right because you know how they always come back at us with the slippery slope argument. Yeah. Well, the slope is slippery. <laughs> you know, it's like this isn't a theory or, or some kind of conspiracy theory. Um, it's happening. I saw it back when when I retired. Um, it had already slid quite a ways. It got to the point that I couldn't slide anymore with it. So I thought I could do you know better outside of police work at that time, and also keep my house and my livelihood and my you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing, and not be in prison. Um, you know, so I, I think that that's that's also something that uh, um, you know is an important factor in this whole you know situation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been such a fun discussion, and I can foresee that we're going to have uh, future opportunities to at least invite you back on, uh, and, and and hopefully you'll come because uh, we could actually go back and unpack books that you've written in the past, um, and and have great conversations about it. Do you have plans uh, for more in the future? You know, I didn't even plan on writing this one. Um, it was kind of strange that the National Police Association decided they wanted to write an ebook, and so they asked me, "Hey, can you can you do an ebook for us?" And I thought, "Sure, I could do an ebook." You know, I said ten thousand words. It was like, "Wait, a minute, can we up this to what We just kept finding more and more and more. So I was like, "Can you up it to twenty, to thirty, to forty? You know, and then it became a full length book. Mm -hmm. So uh, the only other thing I've got um, on my mind is that there's one uh, little book I wanted to write that says, "A little courtesy won't kill you." And that was a, um, a bumper sticker, basically, back in Massachusetts when I was a kid about learning to drive. You know, it's like a little courtesy won't kill you. And I thought about how that just throughout society, it's, uh, you know, the, the way people are just quick to anger. And then that brings a lot of situations where that could be controlled by, you know, hey, little courtesy won't kill you. And so I thought about maybe writing a book uh, like that, you know, so like we'll it. see. I've got I it like partly it. written, so. <laughs> well, you definitely reach out and let us know when you do and tell well, folks how they can continue to follow your journey um, and all that you have done and are going to do. Well, I have a, a website at stevepomper.com. So that's pretty easy. And then uh, I also write at the National Police Association and that's at, na at uh, nationalpolice.org and then at lifezet.com. And I also write for the Tatum Report, uh, Brandon Tatum. In fact, he's down in your neck of the woods. Yeah. He is. He is yeah. here in Arizona. That's so funny how our paths really have crossed in so That's many true. ways over the years. It is, um, yeah. And we're just now taking a time to formally uh, interview you. So it was meant to be. It was. It was. It's been absolutely my pleasure. Well, us as well. Thank you so much, Steve. We will definitely be talking again soon. Thanks, Steve. Sounds great. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was fun. Yeah, it was. Um, lively. I love well, it. It's, it's hard not to be lively when you're talking about these, you know, the police officers are there to protect and preserve our rights. Yeah. And that the, there's some government people that are saying they don't need the police. So people that have followed us uh, for several years might remember back when we had a structured two-hour uh, show Gun Freedom was a two-hour show on a, a radio <clears throat> network. Uh, Dan didn't have a rant, but he had a segment called Dan's Commentary. So you yeah. had two commentaries. Yeah, it's, yeah, I guess it's just it's just irritating to me because you know they're protecting the criminals and they're going after you know a criminal decides I want to go and do something to break the law. Mm -hmm. You know why I would never be put on a juror? Because jury. the jury, because the first thing I would do is what did the criminal do? Mm -hmm. And if the criminal did something illegal mm -hmm. and that officer well, stopped them, but is you know, he, is it would the, be hard he for or me. she a criminal or um, maybe they were wrongly accused, just like we believe oh, that the police that could be, that could be, and there are some, there are. So we, I think we have to keep that, I, that open mind to, um, you know, why is this person here? Yeah. And maybe me being on that jury is going to help offer true justice. Um, because if they aren't 
convincing me, whichever side is convincing. I me. guess I'm racial profiling. I must be profiling because racial profiling, not just profiling, because profiling. I think that uh, criminals are criminals and police officers are police officers. Okay. All police officers are good and all criminals are bad. That's not true, though. You really don't believe that. I know I don't. I know I don't. <laughs> I don't Why know what I believe. Say that out loud? I don't know because because <laughs> I just I just get irritated when I see good police officers being torn down. And I have friends that are good police officers. We do have friends that and are good they officers. are being. But if you think that there aren't some people. Oh, out there, there are some bad ones. There are. OK, some, then why did you just say. All criminals. Are, I just said, what did I say? You said all criminals are criminals. Right. And all police officers are, are police officers. I thought you said they were all good or something. Anyway, um, human beings yes. are right. an interesting oh, animal, yes, sir. right? Yes. We all have our, our yeah. good sides, our bad sides. We have our proclivities. We have our biases. We have, you know, a lot of things that we carry around with us, our past experience, um, you know, our upbringing, all those things. And so, you know, we really are that patchwork quilt I guess. of every person we've ever met. I love that analogy. And so some people go into, let's say, politics, right? Let's, let's take that one. Some people go into politics with the truest heart to be public servants. Except they forgot and they got to follow the Constitution. No, I'm saying. So those ones would have read and do take seriously their oath. Some people go into politics because they like the power it gives mm -hmm. them, right? Hillary Clinton. They don't care anything about the Constitution. And then, and then there's people in the middle that like right. struggle with both sides. That is the same with teachers, right? There's people that go into teaching simply because they absolutely love, uh, you know, passing knowledge forward. There are other people that go into teaching because they love the power that they feel Control. over, you know, the young minds in front of them right. and then there's people in the middle same thing with police officers same thing with business oh, sure. owners same sure. thing i mean you could just go down the line and so we can't have just you know two buckets we've got good people and bad people that's just not the way the but world we don't works. have good criminals we don't okay so we don't have good criminals we could break that down um, but we don't have good violent criminals okay we could break that down Break it down. Okay. So let's say that uh, you are a firearms owner. Let's say that you used your firearm in good, full faith to save a life, whether right. it's your own or whoever's. And the other side that hates our rights and hates our guns, they're going to call you a violent criminal. Just like they would a police officer that okay. defended. So then, so then how do you say that all violent I'm not criminals a criminal and are I'm, bad. I'm not a it's criminal. It depends on who's no. labeling well, I you guess so. okay, with so. the label. I think we have to constantly question the word usage that we are being fed. We have to think who's telling it to us and why might they be saying it the exact way that you're right. It. I'm just, uh, I'm just angry right now. Riled up. I'm riled. I am riled, riled up, up because like I said, I know some good police officers who are hurt right now. Absolutely. We and do. Uh, you see that uh, a lot of cities, the police officers are leaving. Mm -hmm. And, and that's going to harm the yeah, cities that they're right. leaving. I and believe. what do the criminals think of that? They're oh, they're awesome. Chops. <laughs> Man, I, get, I just get to <laughs> increase my territory who, or whatever, you the, know? Yeah, the ones who, who want to do harm and, and criminals themselves, right? And we see, I mean, we're watching they, it. They want we're watching, power over. We're, watching, power. we're watching a series right now on Netflix, and they're talking about... This guy is the leader of a, a, a gang in um, in Florida, a hate a hate a Haitian, Haitian game, mm -hmm. gang. And um, you know his heart is true. His heart is good. You can tell, but he's struggling with it to 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 and break out from did it. Some really bad right? things. And he did some bad things. Yes. And well, so right. then, which box does he live in, Dan? Right. He lives. He's no. He's he's a criminal. Yeah. He is a criminal. So and know? it's just a. It's a character it's a, yeah, on the show. Yeah, I'm but, just saying. But, you know, I just think that we need to really have our critical thinking caps on more tightly, more consistently than ever before in all of time because we live in the age of information. 
right? right? Nobody said that it was the age of valuable, truthful, factual information. We just call it the age of information. And so we are fed so much propaganda and unchecked garbage and it passes as news. And so yeah. I always use air quotes when I say the word news, news yeah. because you are being given a version of something that either did or didn't happen, right? Yeah. Um, there was a movie a few years ago. What was it called? Collision, maybe? And I think the movie told the story from like three different perspectives. Like maybe there was a I don't know, a car crash. There was something that happened. And then this, the story was told by, well, this woman was standing over here and this is what she saw. And so she came to one conclusion. And then there was a man standing over on the other side and here's what he saw. And he came to another conclusion. And then, so there was, I don't know, three, three different perspectives, whatever. But I think that we forget that just because we think something that that doesn't make it gospel. No, I, I totally understand. We're constantly needing to learn things, but I think we live in an age, we need to live in an age where uh, repeat cr criminals are are not let on the streets. Violent criminals well, are not let on the Well, there's definitely a problem with that, and, <clears throat> and that was one of the things that Steve was talking about um, in uh, his his book, The some of the research he did for his book, The Obama Gang, is that, you know, the let me read this one thing. Um, the Minnesota Freedom Fund, they pay for anybody to get out of jail because they believe no one should be in jail. As reported by um, McArdle at National Review, the MFF, Minnesota Freedom Fund, their interim executive director, Greg Lewin, said, the last time we were down at the jail, the clerk said, we hate it when you bail out these sex offenders. To which Lewin added this unnerving statement. Lewin says, I often don't even look at the charge when I bail someone out. I will see it after I pay the bill because that's not the point. The point is the system we are fighting. It's the old ends justify the means and they don't care who gets hurt, just that they get their way. The victims of those they spring from jail are just necessary collateral damage to advance their ideology. How how does anybody look at that and, and kind of play that that movie forward in their mind and go you why'd you read that to me this is going to be this is going to be good for uh society this is going to yeah. be good for families going to be good for communities to just mindlessly let out of jail bail out of jail sex offenders any sex offenders or <clears throat> any old and and maybe the sex offender that he bailed out that day maybe he was wrongly accused we don't know because there we was don't. no there was no conclusion to it. But that doesn't mean he gets to get it's just, out. hey, back out on the streets you go. And we've heard over the course of, with all the riots and stuff in this past COVID year, that uh, people would commit a crime in the morning. They'd go, they'd get picked up by the police. They'd be back out in a few hours. So around lunchtime, they're out committing another crime. They get arrested and, again. And so by dinner time, they're committing a third crime for the day they're arrested again put back in jail and late that night where are they dan right out committing right. another crime so that happened in california three times a guy was arrested for stealing cars crazy three times, in one day in one, one day. day i mean it's like okay I mean, when you can't get i mean everything moves at the, the pace of molasses how does that even happen right. that it gets processed right. that fast you know it's crazy yeah. But anyway, we got to get out of here. Thank you so much to our awesome guest today, Steve Pomper. Um, and one of his uh, books is titled What I Swipe Today as Our Theme. Is there a problem, officer? You know, that sounds one way when we're like the ones getting pulled over. But in light of this whole conversation, it's like, is there a problem? Office, you know, to be an officer, is there a problem? Yeah, I think there's a lot of problems for, for the people that, you know, go through the training and really have the heart of a servant and, and want to go out there and protect <clears throat> life and property right. and all those things. Um, but thank you to Steve Pomper. Well, we were um, always told when we we're kids, I, I, I know we got run out of time, but we we're always told as kids, if you get pulled over by a police officer, put both hands on the steering wheel and ask the officer what you want him to do or her to do and respect them. And if they are wrong, 
you can go to court and take care of that. But you follow the instructions of the police officer. And just for you to know it, I had an I had a relative that was a Phoenix police officer that did some really not good, really things. bad things, not and good. was arrested and fired from his job and, yeah. and spent time in jail. Yeah. So I am not saying every murder, officer is good. Things. <clears throat> really bad. Yes. Uh, so. So how so, do you how do you square that? Because you're human. No, no, no. How do you square that with? We will not comply. Because that's the that's what I'm seeing people talking about on social media, and it it's a good conversation. Well, it's a good debate because well, the, if you're saying officer, just comply to the officer, then up to what point? Well, with that do one, we say no. This is unjust. This is unconstitutional, and I'm not going to comply with that. Well, this one was you either do this or you're going to get a ticket. You just take the ticket and then you go report it. Yeah. That's what you did because some but didn't. Like red flag laws where they're right. maybe some kicking didn't. your door down. That might be <clears throat> right. something different. But right. uh, and and you know yeah right. And there are times that I would not comply. I mean we've had situations that I would think I would not comply to if if I was told to. So it's it's a it's a hard line. But the thing is to respect others and do the best you can, and all will work out in the end. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thank you again to Steve Pomper. Thank you to our awesome listeners all over the globe. We value you. We recognize you. Your time is your most valuable commodity. And when you spend it with us, we do not hate that. We, we really value that. Uh, If you want to go back and listen to the audio version of any of our shows, go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the on demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content. Darling. All of the episodes we have there, click the guest tab. You can see pictures, uh, photos and bios and, and links to works of oh all my. of our guests. Oh my, yes. And um, uh, what else would I guess? Oh, if you want to watch the, the video version of any of our shows, go to our YouTube channel, our Gunstreamer channel, gunstreamer.com, very First Amendment friendly, uh, or the Ops Lens smartphone app. You'll find all of our works there. All right, gang. And with that, we're going to pray for our nation. We are. Pray for, pray our, for our leaders. Yep. Even the ones you don't like, and a special prayer for all the police officers out there today. Absolutely. Just to kind of help them along. All right. And until next time, gang, be good to each other. Have a great week. And God bless you.